Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers. Amen. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And at FCBC, we say it this way. We live, we love, we serve. Good. I want to read from uh, an old story today, Genesis chapter 22. And it's rather lengthy. I'll, I'll try not to But Genesis 22, but just a good passage of scripture. I have to say it too. Today, beloved, 18 years ago today, I started as the pastor of First Corinthian Baptist Church. Today, 18 years. My God. It has been a joy and a journey. And these years have gone by real fast, man. I'm telling you, it don't fit. Well, it's been amazing. Listen, Genesis 22, beginning at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, he bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. 
as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. We thank you, O oh God, for how even now you're reminding us that you are a close friend. God, on today, some of us just need a friend. Some of us, oh God, have entered this space. Yes, the worship and praise, but feelings of aloneness and loneliness are real. God, be a friend who shows up in comforts, who shows up and restores and shows up and reminds us that even in those times of aloneness, we are not alone. You still walk with us. You still talk with us. You're still reminding us that we belong to you. God, thank you. Thank you. Now, oh God, let your word hit the directed target. Some today, oh God, maybe didn't come in the expectation of a word meant for them. But that's how you do, oh God. You blindside us with blessings. You overtake us with unexpected joy. And for that, we say thank you. We love you, Lord, so much. We're so grateful, God, just to be alive. My God, just to breathe is a blessing. Just to stand is a blessing. Just to be in this space is a blessing. The truth is, oh God, there may be rough days, but they pale in comparison to the magnitude of that which you do for us every day. Thank you. This is our prayer. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 I want to um, read just a portion of that. Well, I want to lift this line. After these things, God tested Abraham. After these things, God tested Abraham. Amen. Put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor. Just tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's only a test. Come on, tell your other neighbor, neighbor, it's only a test. Amen. It's only a test. Some of us in here right now are living with a spirit of expectation. We are moving in anticipation that God is a God who answers prayer. I heard that from the time I was a little boy, that, that God answers prayer, that God sees us, that God hears us, that God knows us. And some of us with that belief in mind are not ashamed to share with God what some would call the desires of our heart. Have you done that before? Shared with God your desires, hoping that somehow your desires and God's, um, and God's mercy and love is at the same point and place of your desire. In other words, you hope that somehow what you want and what you may desire, that God is willing to do it. 
Some of us go to God with that belief. God can do it. God can deliver. God can bring it. And we pray about it. And I've learned a few things that I don't have to tell you all again this morning, that that when you seek things out, and maybe you've done what I just said, you talk to God, pray to God about some things, some things you want to work out in your life, your personal life, and your professional life. You prayed about it, and, and now you're in that place of you said it more than once, more than twice, and now you're in the uncomfortable season of waiting for it. Waiting. It's something tricky about waiting for, to see if God will move in the way you want God to move, because in that process of waiting, you have to also be open to God moving any way God chooses to move. I said that last week, I believe, in, in the sermon, is that sometimes we pray for things and ask for things of God, and then we try to dictate to God how those things that we prayed about and asked for ought to look. And then we measure whether or not that prayers have been answered based on the appearance of the thing we've prayed about. And the problem is the appearance of the thing we prayed about is based on our assumptions about what it ought to look like. And then God shows up and moves in a way that is counter or contrary to what we expect. And then we find ourselves wrestling. Not God, because God has answered. God has moved. It is you who wrestle, we who wrestle, because we don't always like how God did it. And if we don't always like how God did it, can I share this one if you're honest today? We don't always like sometimes how God takes God's time. If we're honest. I, I wish God at times in my life felt the same sense of urgency I felt. How many of you know that today? Have you ever wished that? Have you wished at times, God, I, 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 I hope you can see how urgent of an issue this is for me. I mean, I know, God, that you, you know, you are on time, God, and, you know, your ways are not my ways. But if you can break this through on August 4th, I'll feel good about it. But sometimes, you know, that that delay we all know is not denial. And oftentimes I've discovered in my life the delay is really connected to my maturity. Because there were times, and I've said it before, and you know, and you can testify to this, there were things you asked God for that when you asked them, you were not prepared for. And you look back now on those moments, and you say to yourself, man, if God had actually done when I wanted it done, it would have messed me up. Because it's one thing to receive a blessing, it's another thing to be unprepared for it. And sometimes we're not always prepared for what we desire, and a lot, a lot of times the the lack of preparation is connected to our maturity, or at least, if not our maturity, our experiences. Maybe some things will come our way once we have certain experiences in life. Some folks will say you got to go through some stuff sometimes. And sometimes the things we desire, we haven't been tried in those seasons. And, and maybe that delay, that pause, that Hold up. God's timing is connected to your own personal growth. And I've discovered this, that there were things that didn't come to me when I sought God out for them. Or in my youth as a minister, my youth as a believer, I thought if you just prayed about it, God would deliver it. I prayed and God didn't deliver. I prayed and God didn't do it. I prayed and God didn't bless me the way I wanted to. And then as time went past, I stopped talking about it. And it's always when you're not looking for something, it shows up. And then with the thing that I prayed about finally shows up sometimes down the road, 5, 10, 15 years, I say to myself, my God, I'm able to handle it now because I've grown up a little bit more. 
because I don't want God to answer a prayer and then me forsake the answer prayer because I couldn't handle it in my own way. Right? Abraham wanted and Sarah wanted a child, my God. And God told them, and you know the story, God told them that they would have a child and, 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 and they grew impatient. So they tried to assist God by Abraham having a baby with their servant, Hagar. And you, know, you know how that story goes. You try to assist God. You know, God, I know you heard me. And we try to spiritualize it. God, I know you heard me. And God, I know you'll deliver. But let me kind of push it a little bit. You know you've been guilty of doing that sometimes. You want to you wanna put your hands on the thing you want God to work out, hoping that God needed your hands to assist God in doing that thing. And they did that. They, they decided, hey, we're going to help this process along. And, and they had to learn a lot of things. They had to learn that, one, when God promises what God is going to do, trust God. Don't try to help God with the thing that God promised you because oftentimes you'll taint what is already there. We learned that. We learned that for sure. We also learn that sometimes, sometimes the things we pray about, desire, want to see, that we ourselves have to grow up. That we ourselves have to grow a little bit in order to just learn life a little bit differently. Right? We just have to mature in our own ways. And Abraham, between the time God promised him the son and, and the child came, he grew up a lot. He learned to trust God. He learned this, that no matter how insane God's promise sounds, don't doubt it will come to pass. Because in his mind, there's no way my wife and I can have a child. And so they laughed at God and, and God came at him and was like, did y'all laugh at me? And then they lied. No, we didn't laugh at you, God. And God's like, no, you laughed at me. He said, here's what I want you to do. When you get that son that you prayed about that I told you I would give you, name him Isaac, which means to laugh. It sucked. So that you will remember every time you see that little child that you thought I couldn't bring about, that you prayed about, that took 25 years to come. Remember, when you look at your boy, that you laughed at me because you didn't think it was possible. Because, again, you were busy waiting for it to come in your time, your way, in your season. But God said, let me do it. And so here you are now, just like Abraham, in some ways, you've prayed now. You've asked God. And maybe you're in that season in your life with some of the things you prayed about years ago right now are coming to pass. How many can feel that right now? How many can say that that's the season I may be in right now, that I'm seeing things come my way that I, that I, had, I had forgotten about, let go of, stop asking for, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like the keys you thought you lost and you find them after you thought they lost them because you actually weren't looking for them. That's how God moves sometimes. I said in the prayer, it's amazing when you're blindsided by blessings and blindsided by breakthrough and God does it unexpected. And so maybe you're in that season right now in your life where you're seeing that, you're feeling that, that my goodness, I, 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 didn't, I didn't think God would do it because it's been so long. I didn't think I would move in this direction because I gave up on that thing because it was taking so long. And now the doors are opening. The opportunities are presenting themselves. And now you're smack dab in the middle of an axe for a dream that has come to fruition. You're in the middle of it. And everything about the moment feels right. How can it feel any different? The job is working out. The relationships are working out. Everything that could be going right is going right in this regard in your life and professionally, even personally. And man, this is beautiful. And now here you are wanting to bask in the glow of the answered prayer, the blessing, the breakthrough. 
I mean, your praise sound a little bit different. Your worship feel a little bit different because now you got a testimony of how God may not come when you want God. God is always right on time. You got it. You're living in it. You're in that on time season. Abraham felt that. The thing he prayed for, the thing he had hoped for, he and his wife had come. And it didn't just come. He got time to enjoy it. His son, his boy, Isaac. And this was a child of their old age, a child they never saw coming. And God did it. And God showed up. And God kept God's word. And God kept God's promise. And it's one thing to receive it the blessing, the breakthrough. It's another thing to grow with it because they were growing with Isaac, maturing with Isaac, journeying with Isaac, living with the answered prayer. And then one day, here's this line. After these things, God tested Abraham. It is from this line in many ways that we get this idea you know, that God tests us and, and that God tests us. This is only a test. We hear it all the time. This must be a test that I'm going through. This must be a test. And can I tell you, you know me, I like to mess with y'all a lot. Stop doing that. Because if this is the scene, the passage where we get this idea of God testing, just flip it for a second. I've taught on this. I said it before. Abraham has journeyed with God for over 25 years, some 30 to 40 years now, journeying with God. And he's learned some things. He's experienced some things. And most of all, he's experienced the answering of prayer. But it didn't come easy. It came through a lot of struggle and strife and heartache and, break, and breaking through bruising. Those answered prayers came through some things. Abraham didn't just ask God and the next day the answer prayer came. He had to go through some things. He had some ups and some downs. He had to learn some things the hard way with God. The answer prayer showed up. And then even living with the answer prayer, he still had to learn some things because sometimes we have to be honest about it. We learn to value and appreciate what we receive when we've had to go through some stuff to get it. After these things, God tested. And when you go through a hardship, you know what you say? This must be a test from God. Is God testing me? Let's unpack this scene for a second. I said this one TNT years ago. I don't see the test the way most of us see the test. You go through hardship, it's a test. No, some hardships are something else. What is it? Life. Some stuff you go through is just the nature of life. It's everything that you go through that's difficult for you ain't a test. It's just life. We love that language. Oh, God is testing me. I'm going to test. No, it's called life, man. That when you live this life, there'll be some bumps in the road and you got to learn to adjust. That everything will not always go your way. You got to learn to keep it moving, even in the midst of things being difficult and problematic. You just got to push your way through. You learn that in life. But Abraham was different in some ways. He he. He had the journey with God that was uniquely Abraham's. It was uniquely Abraham's journey, and God tested. Now, here's what I did a few years ago during TNT. I asked someone who was a teacher, uh, who, if any teachers were in the house. Some of y'all were there that night when I did it. And a young woman who was sitting in the back raised her hand. She was a teacher. And I asked her what grade she taught. She said fifth grade. I said, you give your children tests. And she said, yes. I said, let me ask you a critical question. When you give a test, is the test for you or them? The first response was for them. I said, no, it's not. The test is for you. Why? Because you as a teacher need to know what they've learned. 
Hold on. Now, the reason why this is messing with some of y'all is because why would God need to know anything? That means that there's some things that God still needs to discover about all of us. Because if you need, like, why would God have to give a test to discover if God knows it? Or maybe God needs to discover some things about us based on the experience and the journey that God has had with us. Oh, this is going to mess with some people. But this ain't me. This is the scripture. God tested Abraham. I don't know a teacher in the world who said, I'm giving the test for my students. No, you're giving the test for you, teacher, so you can know whether you've been a good teacher or not. Whether you've effectively taught or not. No teacher gives a test for the student. Every teacher gives a test for the teacher to know what the student what? knows what they've learned what they know after these things god tests abraham maybe god wants to see what abraham has learned in this relationship that they've had god wants to see did you really get what i was going for it ain't just about a blessing that i can give you it's not just about a child i can grant you so let me back up and reverse where i started Your relationship with God is not about what God can give you. Because if it's only about what God can give you, call God by his right name then, Santa Claus. You sit around thinking that a relationship with God is just about God giving and giving and giving. And you bear no responsibility. And we ask God, and I've said it a long time ago, and I've said it before, my pastor used to say it. God is not a cosmic bellhop at our whims and our demands. God is not obligated to do anything. He's done the most important thing for you every day. When you wake up in the morning and take that breath, tell me, what more do you really need? Because everything you do on tomorrow, when you go to work, wherever you work, when you make your way to work, when you get to the office, when you get to your desk, when you put in your hours, when you go to lunch, when you come back, when you work some more, when you get off at five, when you make your way home, when you get home, if you were not breathing, you couldn't do nothing. Every day is a reminder that God has been gracious. But we get into this thing thinking that somehow we measure the relationship by the granting of some of these things we desire. And what if the relationship ain't about this one-sided God-giving, God-giving? What if we bear responsibility? How about this? What if, what if our biggest challenge for many of us is that we confuse gift and giver? What happens when you reduce God to the thing God gives you? You reduce God to the blessings that come your way. And pretty soon the relationship becomes what it is for many people. You think praying is about asking. Don't call it prayer. Call it asking then. Because prayer is a conversation to build a relationship that you have with God, to deepen it, to strengthen it. If the only prayer life you got are requests being made, let me back it up. If you had a friend, the only time they call you is when they needed something, would you answer that phone? I had somebody call me this week. When that phone started ringing, I saw that name. I said, oh, they need something. The only time I hear from them is when they need something. Can you imagine when we turn our relationship with God into one based on neediness? And not love and building that relationship? Oh, here come the test. Here's the test. How much do you love me, Abraham? 
or do you just love the things you can get from me? You got to stay right there. Because what happens if those prayers and them dreams I talked about, what if they never get answered? Do you become bitter with God because God did not answer my prayer? Oh, some people do. They mad with God. I've been asking God and God told me he would do X, Y, and Z. And it's never come to pass. And they get angry and they stay away from church. I'm not going in no more. This is a sham. God ain't moving. Oh, you thought that the relationship was only about getting. That's not it. God said, here it is, Abraham. I want you to go and sacrifice your son, your only son. The promise, the gift, the present, sacrifice it. The thing you prayed about, longed for, wanted, sacrifice it. That dream you've been holding that God answered and gave and you celebrated with your friends and you couldn't believe the breakthrough and God said, walk away from it. That job you hoped that you would get because you thought that the job would be the one thing that would catapult you into another sphere because you thought the job actually defined you and thought that the position defined you and you didn't see the inherent value in your own humanity. So you need the things to make you better. And what happens when God says, walk away from it? What happened when you prayed about that relationship and you were so desirous for a relationship? You said, oh, God, thank you for answering a prayer. But you made a choice. And the choice you made was out of impatience because you thought your clock was running. And when you made that choice, then you now started praying to God about the choice. God helped me. And God's like, no, no, you made that choice. You didn't wait for me. And then pretty soon you're in a space and relationship that's walking backwards and it's tearing you up and it's destroying you. And you realize that part of the issue was you wanted something so bad you didn't see the person that was in front of you. In fact, what you saw was a fabrication of your own desire. You never saw them because you saw them. You would have ran the other direction. But you saw what you needed because you thought it would help you, define you, or maybe it's something you always long for. And you tried to place your whole being in this relationship only to find out that this person didn't love you the way they wanted, you needed them to love you. They didn't show up the way you needed them to show up. And pretty soon now you're lamenting another lament. You're lamenting now having to dissolve the thing you asked for, knowing that you didn't wait for it, you made a choice, and now you got to let it go. But you're worried about what other people are going to think because they thought you had it all together. You know how many of us have made decisions out of impatience? And now here comes God knocking on your door at the height of your celebration with your gift. And God says, sacrifice it. Now you would sit here and I'll be done in a minute. You would sit here and be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get real holy, Dawn. You'd be like, you know this. The devil busy. <laughs> this don't sound like God. God. Watch me hear people say, God wouldn't give me something only to ask for it back. Now we in Godhead, right? This don't sound right. This ain't fair. No, and then you and then you call your friend. Listen, I need you to pray with me over the next three days because I'm hearing some things, but what I'm hearing is contrary to the way God has moved in my life. And 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 it don't feel like God. But I just need, will you be in, you know, alignment with me in this season? And and on Monday and Wednesday and Friday, we're gonna be fasting on this thing together. And so fast with me for clarity. You enlisted a whole group of people for your purpose personal clarity. You fast with me for clarity so I can really hear God clearly. Can you imagine you questioned what you heard because what you heard wasn't what you liked. And then you enlisted people in your frustration because God is moving and you don't like it. 
And God says to Abraham, sacrifice your son. I, give me a few more minutes. Watch this. Abraham don't say nothing. Bet. Hold on. What you mean? Because you watch that and you say, so willingly. He got up the next day, took his son. They got on the donkeys. They started making their way. God said he would show them the way. He had his servants with him. God showed them the mountain with a sacrifice. Abraham told the servants, y'all chill here. Me and the boy are going to sacrifice. Me and the boy will return. Pause. Man, he, Abraham might have missed that. He said, me and the boy will go sacrifice and me and the boy will return. Head blown. He, it was like he was speaking something, didn't he realize it? He was trying to tell them a story, but he was telling them the story. Me and the boy will go sacrifice, and me and the boy will return. That's what he said. And so now he gets there. Now they're making their way. Watch the progression of this story. They're making their way up. Isaac is sitting there, and he asks his father, Daddy, I see the wood. We got the fire. We're the sacrifice. Abraham said, the Lord will provide. And Isaac got to be saying a bet. They make their way out to the mountain. They get there, and then something strange starts to happen. Abraham grabs over Isaac. He binds him with some rope. It's called the Akedah in the, in the Hebrew. The Akedah. He binds his dream. Oh, God. He ties up his blessing. Oh, you're going to get this. He restrains his breakthrough and puts it on the altar. And never questions God. Never raises a question. Why? Because Abraham's relationship with God doesn't start with a sacrifice. It gets there. That's why the writer said, after these things. What Abraham does is faith. Ask no questions. Move forward. But if you read the Abraham story, it didn't start there. He doubted, he questioned, he laughed, he didn't believe. And in every turn, when he doubted, he questioned, he laughed and believed, God reinforced to Abraham that he would keep his word. So much so one time when Abraham doubted and when he laughed, God would say, here's what I'm going to do. If you're going to laugh and doubt my promise, he said, we're going to circumcise you. He circumcised, has Abraham circumcised, binding. This is the seal of our relationship in blood. Abraham had to learn all that. When God says something, don't laugh. When God makes a promise, don't question. When God says he'll deliver, don't assist. He had to learn those things in the relationship. So when you get to the time where God says, sacrifice your son, Abraham has no problem because he's already learned to trust God. You don't start with this kind of faith. You arrive here. After many dangers, toils, and snares, after many ups and downs, you arrive at this place. And he arrived there. And that's why he had no problem doing it. Look at the story again. When he speaks to God and he hears God, Abraham doesn't tell his wife. He has no conversation. Pause for a second. When God says things to you, it ain't meant for you to tell everybody else sometimes. Some things are connected and based on you and God alone. And to try to enlist people in on the God narrative you have to get validation for what God has spoken is insane. They didn't hear it, so how can they validate it? You're trying to get people to be in agreement with your disobedience or your fear or your insecurity. So get that. Nah, -uh. he goes, he says nothing to nobody, and he never pauses. Looks, he keeps on going, even when he knows the thing he has to do means potentially killing the son, killing the promise, killing the dream. 
And then what does he do next? He gets to the point when he sees the place that God wants him to go. What does he say? He tells the people who came with him, y'all stop right here. Because if you can't tell everybody everything, you then got to learn the second rule. Everybody can't go with you. There's some people who have a timetable on their companionship on your journey. Oh, I know you don't like that. I, I know you wish that everybody that's your friend could make it. Everybody you met could make it. Everybody ain't equipped for every journey. In fact, when you bring the wrong people on some journeys, they'll take you, talk you out of your breakthrough because it wasn't theirs in the first place. Well, I hope you work with me. I get real quiet today. Everybody can't go everywhere, period. So stop trying to recruit people for a trip that don't have their name on it. Mm-mm. There's some things you have to be willing to go what? by by what? All by yourself and be fine with it because you're walking with God. Don't be fearful. Don't be afraid. Trust what is happening. And I know it feels hard. And I know you wish you had companionship. And I know you wish others could be there. But this is between you and God. And if God, like Abraham, has sustained you and kept you all this time, why stop trusting now? Because you feel uncomfortable. It's in those moments of discomfort that you ought to lean in the most. Don't let your current discomfort with where you are cause you to back away with the sustainer who's been with you. That's when you lean in even more when you feel uncomfortable, when you feel afraid, when you feel terrified, when you feel confused. You don't fall back. You lean in and remind yourself of some things. God has been with me every step of the way. And the God I know will not leave me or forsake me in this season. And I know it feels uncomfortable, but God has got my back. I know I don't like it, but God has been with me. And I will continue to move forward. Abraham never pauses. He keeps moving. Can you imagine what it took, the faith it took to get the rope? Forget the binding, but to get the rope, knowing what you got to do. You know why he was able to do it? Because he didn't see his son. He saw a sacrifice. Because if Abraham had seen his son, he would have never done it. He saw a sacrifice. What did he learn from God? God could do it again. You sitting around here looking like you lost your best friend because a door closed that you prayed about. You sitting around here moping. Like God can't do it again. You, you, you sitting around here sad. Like with God, you only had a one shot. Like God can't keep on making a way. Like God can't keep on opening doors. Abraham knew God could do it again. And if it's a sacrifice God wants, it's a sacrifice God will give. He picks up his little boy who helped him build the altar, tied him up. And Isaac goes silent in the scene. 
Can you imagine looking at your father tie you up and place you on an altar? You would just ask, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? And he told you that God would provide and you had no idea that you were the provision. He put him on the altar and pulls the knife. He's committed. He's ready to plunge that knife into the promise. He's ready to assassinate the breakthrough. And just as he's ready to come down, Abraham, Abraham, now, teacher, I know you fear God. And some Hebrew translation says, now I know you love God. Now I know, found out through your action, you love God. Yes, Lord. And Abraham, I found out that you love me more than the blessing I gave you. You love me more than what I gave you. You want to talk about misalignment? When you become a lover of the provisions and not the provider. No, my love affair is with God. Not what God can give. With God. When God asks you to sacrifice that thing, you think God wants your job? You think God wants your boyfriend or girlfriend? You think God wants your bank account? God wants you. Do I have her more than her stuff has her? Do I have him more than his things have him? That's what this is about. The things that at times we ask God for, as I said in the beginning, that's easy work. How can those things that you cry out to be hard for the architect of the universe? But what's a little bit more challenging is for God to discover if God has you. If God has you. Because see, when you can say, God, you have me. I belong to you, God. I'm yours. You are mine. You realize that some of the things you wanted were skewed because you looked at those things first instead of looking at God. You have the greatest gift right now. You walk with divine presence. Every step you take is dipped in the divine. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a reflection of the greatest force in the universe. Rivers move to your rhythm. 
stars shine on you. And you chasing perishable stuff. When you can wake up in the morning, before you say anything, before you do anything, here's the change. Here's when you know you have an after these things moment with God. Where you can say, God, you have me. You have all of me. And why wouldn't I give you all of me? You've given me all of you. I want you to let that rest on your spirit. Every day. Troubles, yes. Mistakes you make, yes. You've had to deal with consequences in life, yes. You still belong to God. God still belongs to you. Falling short sometimes, stumble along the way. There's some things you wish you could change. Said some things you wish you could take back. Still belong to God. God still belongs to you. That's love. That's love. That's love. Do me a favor. Stand on your feet today. Life is like that. It's like that. I learned something. I shared something and something I wrote the other day. What would your life look back when you matured, like where you are right now? And this is not being morbid, but you went, you started looking at your deathbed. Hear me. I'm not saying you walk around scared, oh, I'm going to die. No, think about it. You see, I have been doing this work for 26 years. And in those 26 years, I've been in the room with many people who transition. I've stood with many people who are dying. I prayed with many people when they took their last breath. And I've had conversations with those who are leaving this place. I've not had one conversation with someone asked, for more money or a bigger house or more clothes. I watch people gasping for air. I saw people wish they would have spent more time with their grandchildren and children. Wish they would have told people they love them. Wish they didn't stay mad so long with this person or that person. Because when you are laying there taking those last breaths, you ain't thinking about the outfit you got on or if your shoes match. You're thinking about your life. And if you look at that moment, if you try to imagine, we don't know how to be, just in your mind, and you then work back to where you are now and ask yourself from that vantage point, what's important? From that deathbed vanish, what's important? And when you start asking what's important when you're dying, you'll know what's the priority while you're living. I hope you get that. I hope you get that.
What's important when you're dying ought to be the priority while you're living. Telling the people you love them, spending time with people you care for, having experiences that you can remember. Right? And knowing that you are loved by God. God, we thank you today. For great is your faithfulness, oh God. Great is your faithfulness. We've seen you move. We've seen your work in our lives. And because we've seen you do it before, we know you'll do it again and again and again and again. But God, maybe this is a season for some of us, oh God, to reprioritize our lives. To really think about what's important, what's critical. And then when we can see what's important, what's critical, give our time to those things. For life is too fleeting and too short to be consumed with trivial things. Maybe, God, you're reminding us to know that we are loved and that we have the capacity to love is the essence of life. Maybe being surrounded by people who care about us versus chasing people who don't care about us is the essence of life. Maybe learning to celebrate our gifts and celebrate what you've given us is more important than being jealous of people who have things that we don't even need. Maybe these things are at the heart of our life and we can begin to live in such a way where we actually are free. Free to live and free to love and free to serve God. Unencumbered by the weight of the world. Maybe this is this season where God wants to know, where you want to know, God, if you have us. And we want to be able to say through our actions, our deeds, yes, you have us, God. And if, and if God, you know that some of us who are not there yet, that's okay too. We're moving. We're headed somewhere. And so while we're growing, while we're maturing, God, thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being loving. Thank you for being merciful. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being understanding. Thank you for being present. We love you, Lord. We honor you, God. And thank you for reminding us that it's only just a test. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise on today.